Hello and welcome to a new uh, series in Wrecking Thrones. I am James Kelly. I'm Evan Camacho. And now we are going to cover the Hands of the King. We've gone through the Kings, we've gone through the Claimants, and we still want to continue the show just a little bit more. And so we're going to talk about the Claimant. Uh, no, not the Claimants. We just talked about the We're going to talk about the Hands of the King. The Hands of the King. Who in some ways were more powerful or or had more influence than the kings they served. And we're going to start it off, of course, with the first hand of the king. This week we are talking about Oris Baratheon. Mm-hmm. So, before we start about the sources, we have Fire and Blood and the World of Ice and Fire to go off of. So some good, rich material. And next question, Evan, is Oris mentioned in Game of Thrones? Yes, he is. He is mentioned in Game of Thrones. Just through, re- uh, I'm doing a rewatch right. of Game of Thrones and and posting my reviews right. online. Um, shameless plug. Uh, you can Very check good. him out at jamesthecomicswriter.wordpress.com. And when I rewatched um the episodes yes oris baratheon is mentioned in game of thrones when uh ned opens his books of lineages he opens to house baratheon and and reads oris baratheon had dark hair lack of hair yeah so oris baratheon is mentioned and yes in the expanded in the special features he's talked about much more in detail in the conquest and lore which is all territory we're about to talk about now. Exactly. So, the life and handship of Oris Baratheon. So, Oris is believed by many to be the bastard brother of Aegon the Conqueror and his sisters. Oris was no dragon rider, but he resided on Dragonstone with his siblings. Considering his parentage, Oris was a descendant from the Valyrians, and along with the Valerians, spent many years hoping against all reason of returning to the East to restore the Valyrian Empire, Hmm. which the Targaryens had been – it's weird. With the downfall of of the Valyrian Empire, Mm -hmm. which the Targaryens had escaped Mm – and not just escaped as in it was burning and they escaped like, no, they like one Targaryen foresaw it and warned and they left. Well, they were, they were nowhere near Valyria at the time. They just genuinely yeah. weren't. And so, but Did for centuries, like... centuries that they were looking East and thinking, well, maybe we can go back. Maybe we can go back and mm-hmm. restart it all. Mm-hmm. And so even though they lived in Westeros, they, they were not thinking of Westeros for quite right. some time. After centuries of looking east, the Valyrians at last looked west thanks to King Argilac the Arrogant <laughs> and King Heron the Black. Argilac the Arrogant was the ruler of Storm of the Stormlands. The, he was the descendant of the legendary House Durandon who incurred the wrath of the gods when a Durandon married a water goddess. King Durandon defied and built castles that were destroyed by the raging storm gods. At last, 
At last, a castle supposedly designed by a young Brandon the Builder stood in defiance of the gods. Argolak had the... Hmm. For this reason, the, the castle was dubbed Storm's End. Hmm. Argolak had the same passion and defiance in him as his forefather. Argolak the Arrogant's territory was facing the encroachment from the emerging superpower of Heron the Black, king of the Iron Islands and the Riverlands. Heron the Black forced Riverlanders to build an amazing castle that would have no equal. As they toiled on his monstrous castle, he consolidated and expanded his holdings. As he approached eastward to the Stormlands, Argolak desperately looked for allies. Argolak went to the Lord of Dragonstone, Aegon Targaryen. He offered the hand of his daughter, Princess Argola, in marriage along with control of the Riverlands in exchange for an alliance. Considering that Aegon already had two wives and Argolak had no control of the Riverlands, it was hardly an enticing offer. Mm-hmm. Still, Lord Aegon... Lord Aegon... That's so weird to say. <laughs> I know. Lord Aegon humored the alliance by instead offering his best friend and bastard brother, Oris Baratheon, to marry Princess Argilla. Mm. Argilac, knowing Oris's parentage, was greatly insulted. Argilac angrily re- returned Aegon's emissary's hand, saying, These are the only hands your bastard will have! Big mistake. Yep. Aegon, insulted by the haughty king, commissioned a great wooden map of Westeros and planned his conquest of the Seven Kingdoms. So you can, in many ways, blame Argolak the Arrogant. Oh, gee, what do they call him? The Arrogant. Aegon had Raven sent to all the capitals of the Seven Kingdoms, declaring himself the king of Westeros. No king swore fealty to the Dragon Lord. Shocker there. Aegon landed in the south of Westeros, where he declared himself king to the cheer of some people who were there. He also crucially dubbed Lord Valerian as Aegon's master of ships. But most significant of all, he dubbed Oris his right hand, giving rise to the new title, Hand of the King. This position was informal, but it would come to define ruling Westeros. The Hand of the King would be the second most powerful man in Westeros. As we will cover throughout this hand series, the influence and power of said hands could widely, wildly range depending on who was king. As Hand of the King, Oris was tasked with command of Aegon's ground forces. He gained sizable forces when Lord Tully and other lords of the Riverlands pledged fealty to King Aegon after the tyranny of Heron the Black. Aegon demonstrated the true might and terror of the dragons when he had Harrenhal burnt. See our Aegon the Conqueror episode. While this battle would be instrumental to Aegon's conquest, his hand would have an equally impressive and dangerous battle. Free of the great threat of the tyrant Heron the Black, Aegon turned his attention to the headstrong and foolish king that began the war, Argolak the Arrogant. Argolak knew that Heron Hall was destroyed, and wanting to avoid being trapped in his castle, he bro- brought his army outside to confront the Dragon King's army. Argolak oh. would not. Yep. Argolak would not face Aegon, but his task would be no less difficult as he faced Oris Baratheon and Rhaenys Targaryen. Argolak proved 
his name of Argalac the Arrogant at the Battle of Bronze Gate, a battle where Argalac believed his numerical superiority guaranteed him advantage over Oris's army. Thanks to intelligence gathered from Rhaenys, Oris knew the numbers he faced and took the higher ground on a hill to face off against Argalac. The gods seemed to favor the conquerors as a storm came to the with a torrent so serious that Argalac's men urged delay. Mm. Argalac, unable to stomach Targaryen banners flying in his lands, refused. The, the battle would come to be known as the Last Storm. There, Argalac's heavy horse would fail as the, as the ground was so muddy that they would fall into disorder, leading to great slaughter by the Baratheon forces. Argalac had greater luck with his spearmen, as the rain made visibility difficult for the uphill Baratheons, allowing Argalac's army to advance upward. They succeeded in taking some of the hill, only to then find Rhaenys and Meraxes waiting. Meraxes' dragonfire caused men to panic and flee. With Argalac's forces in chaos, at last Oris charged, into Oris charged onto King Argalac. Although an old man, Argalac was still a great warrior, as he had fended off half a dozen men. Oris ordered his men to stand aside as he confronted the king. He urged Argalac to surrender and bend the knee to, to Aegon. Argalac angrily refused, and the two clashed, with Oris emerging victorious. News of the fall of Argalac came to Storm's End. Princess Argalac crowned herself the Storm Queen, and proudly said that she refused to surrender her kingdom to the Dragon Lords. Her own people, fearful of facing the same fate that befell Harrenhal, did not share their queen's resolve, and opened the gates to, to Oris and his army. Queen Argala was brought before Oris Baratheon, naked, trembling, and in chains. Rather than pleased by this, Oris offered Lady Queen Argala a blanket to cover herself. He then took her into his tent and privately discussed how her father died. Soon, Oris Baratheon won the heart of Princess Argela, and Lord Oris would indeed marry Argela of House Durandon. <laughs> <laughs> the very thing that started the war ended up happening. Aegon's offer came to pass. Mm. Aegon, in gratitude to his dearest friend and ally, declared Oris Lord Paramount of the Stormlands. Oris was also made the new also made the new House Baratheon effectively the continuation of House Durandon, as he adopted the Durandon sigil and words for his own. So he took the stag and the words Ours is the Fury to be the new for House Baratheon. Good. So in essence he was just continuing it under a new name. Hmm. And he was married to the heir to House Durandon. Continues on. House Baratheon. Yeah. Yes. And the blood of House Durandon still is in House Baratheon. House of... Cool. So Baratheon's a, uh, a man and a, and a Targaryen. Yep. How fitting. Yeah. Nice. Oris would travel with Aegon to, and see King Torin Stark bend the knee. Soon after, the Vale would pledge fealty to Aegon the Conqueror, making six of the seven kingdoms under the dominion of Aegon. 
However, one kingdom notably refused to bow down to Aegon the Conqueror. In Dorne, Maria Martell, a.k.a. the Yellow Toad of Dorne, proudly rebuffed Queen Rhaenys's envoy. She proudly swore that Dorne would never bend the knee. After consolidating his kingdom and beginning to turn the hastily crafted Aegon Fort into the city of King's Landing, Aegon the Conqueror turned his attention to Dorne. To everyone's confusion, when Aegon invaded the lands, were mostly abandoned by lords and people. Claiming victory, Aegon appointed a Lord of Dorne and left. However, the new Lord of Dorne was quickly executed by the Dornish, who refused to be ruled by Aegon. Aegon responded by beginning a more punitive tactic when he had Rhaenys burn Dorne. However, to the astonishment of all, a bolt managed to pierce Meraxes and the great dragon fell to her death, along with presumably her rider. With Rhaenys dead, Aegon began a blood vendetta on Dorne. Hmm. Oris Baratheon led a land invasion of Dorne, but his forces were soon trapped in the Boneway off of the River Wheel. The Dornishmen had the Stormlanders soon in a narrow passage with an army facing them and a controlled rockside blocking their only escape. The Dornishmen would slaughter Oris's forces, sparing only Lord Oris and set 12 other men. They were, they were held hostage by Wheel of Wheel, who was known as the Widow Lover. Great. Oris Baratheon was ransomed by Aegon three years later under the terms that Aegon had to pay Will's hostages weight in gold. <laughs> but before freeing them, Will had the sword hand of each man cut off to prevent them from ever attacking Dorne. Oris was deeply embittered and furious about this and would swear vengeance on House Will. Oris Baratheon returned to his friend and king and solemnly resigned as Hand of the King. He justified it by saying that it would be too easy for him to be ridiculed as Hand of the King with no hand. Still, Oris would be an important lord and voice for King Aegon. Oris Baratheon would coldly suggest they take Princess Duria Martell's hand when she came to Aegon the Conqueror for peace. In the reign of Aenys I, Oris Baratheon would finally be given the chance to have vengeance on the wheels. A Dornish outlaw dubbed the Vulture King began attacks in the south that was controlled by the Iron Throne. Seizing the opportunity for revenge, the Lord of Storm's End led his force to expunge the outlaw. Lord Walter Wheel, the son of Wheel of Wheel, led half of the Vulture King's forces as he attacked Stonehelm, the seat of House Swan. Lord Walter... Oh, yeah. The Baratheon army would slaughter the Dornish forces. A wounded Lord Walter Wheel was brought before a vengeful Oris. Oris took Walter Wheel's hands and his feet. Hmm. On the road home, Lord Oris died of his wounds from the battle, but he is said to have died happy as he died smiling at the hands and feet dangling in his tent. Jesus. And that is the story of the first hand of the king, Oris Baratheon. Interesting story. Indeed. Interesting character. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So we didn't discuss the categories, so let me discuss our new categories. First category will be the hand, where we judge his actions and decisions as a hand. The positive decisions, mostly. Yes. <clears throat> then the next category, the king's fist, where we discuss um, your ability uh, to execute force in the name of the king. Mm -hmm. Then we have the negative category, the fun negative category. And for this, we're calling it demon monkey. <laughs> as in what 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 would what Tyrion in honor of Tyrion Lannister yep. the demon monkey he was known as so how much are you, do you make poor decisions as and poor advice to your king right and how much do, does the king follow said horrible advice right and how much do you sometimes also maybe have no sway over king from continuing right make bad decisions cool we'll cover all of this then of course the lighter category again portrait mm -hmm. just to just judge how you look and the final category of of stag or bambi or whatever your your house sigil is in terms mm -hmm. of where we judge whether or not you were so someone that would truly be remembered someone that was really stood out as an important pivotal figure, right. or if you were just a footnote. And again, as we said before, important does not mean good. Right. So let's get to it. Mm -hmm. Let's get to the ranking part. First off, time is hand. Oris was hand of the king for seven years, so seven points. Right. <clears throat> All right. In the category of the hand, here are my notes. Mm -hmm. Oris was able to woo Princess Argila and treated her with respect and managed to make the transition of House Durandan into House Baratheon peaceful as Oris fully adopted the Durandan sigil and words for his new house. Good. While not a political genius, he chose to resign as Hand of the King following his defeat capture and maiming while still a powerful lord his credible his credibility as the second most powerful person in the realm was diminished by these actions by what had fallen to him so it was i would argue a wise choice to say like look the illusion's up for me right i'm no longer it, it's not just that like that he lost his hand although yeah symbolism is very important it's that like right he was captured Right. And people, he people are going to think of me as weak. Yeah. But I don't want them to think of you as weak. Yeah. So, I mean, good move. Very good move. Tried to be, but good move. He embodied Aegon's policy of assimilating to the customs and traditions of his newly conquered people. By what we said earlier. Of the smooth transition of House Durandon into House Baratheon. So what do we think? We don't have a ton of of really. We don't. Of Oris being be... being like this kind of counselor to to Aegon. Mm-hmm. Especially with the culture of Westeros, he was much more of a warrior hand. Right. But he helped very much enact his policy. Warrior, he was a, he was a warrior hand. 
at a warrior time. Yep. And and let, let's not downplay this though. He was one of the critical points people that helped Aegon the Conqueror conquer Westeros. Yes. And he under his command specifically one of the one of the kingdoms fell. Yeah. Under his command. One of the bit one of the big ones too. Yeah. All him. Mm. And he was able to win over in the perfect propaganda piece Princess Argyla. Right. So he managed to both conquer but also make it seem acceptable. Exactly. So but he did I think for he what he's tough. for what he is. He yes. For what he was, he need, he was exactly what Aegon needed. And when he wasn't, he stepped down and said, and said I'm done. Hmm. I was originally going to go as far as eight. Me too, actually. I think I should, though, go about seven and a half. I'm still going to give him an eight because he was smart enough to know. He was smart enough to know when he was done, which very, very, very few people in power do have. Which might be the subject of our next episode. Right. Unfortunately. Oh, dear. Um, so, next category, the King's Fist. Mm-hmm. This is where he's probably going to score the best. Yes. Oris personally commanded the conquest of the Stormlands. Oris was always the commander of Aegon's land forces during which six of the seven kingdoms were conquered. Very good. And even though he did this w- when he wasn't Hand of the King, I'm still going to mention this. Mm-hmm. He helped Aenys I in obliterating the threat of the Vulture King. Very good. So all of this is really good in his favor. Yes. I would say... Unfortunately, he did lose that big battle in Dorne, so I can't give right. him a... T- a 10? No, but I think I will give him a 7. I think I would go as far as an 8 for this. Because no, like he's that's... just like being really effective as a he was, warrior. He was very effective, but it was that last one. And that last one was such a debacle. Yeah. Caught him. It, it... But then like everyone debacles in that. So that's yes. a bit more complicated. But I maintain my score. I maintain an 8. And you... Seven and a half. Oh, this exactly is coming out running theme. Exactly. Fifteen. All right, fifteen point five again. Mm-hmm. We're getting a bit of a theme here. Yeah. All right, hold on a sec. Okay. So next category, demon monkeys. Oh God. So demon monkeys. So. His capture was the beginning of Aegon's war with Dorne, turning into a prolonged quagmire. Oh, oh yes. Obviously, the death of Rhaenys is when it suddenly goes into, oh, this war is not going to end anytime soon. Yeah. But, like, his capture is like, oh, boy, this is, like, turning into a mess. Right. It's like, oh, no. He suggested maiming Daria Martell when she came as a guest. Mm. So he was suggesting breaking guest right. Yes. Though, in his defense, 
people suggested far worse be done to the Dornish envoys when they came to Aegon to to bring peace. So it's still bad, but it's still bad. And yes, he was also one of the voices that urged Aegon not to make peace with Dorne. Not as much as Visenya, but like he was also right. saying like, no. Obviously, he was understandably personally biased in this, but but it's like no right. way, no way. Right. It's like kind of a little bit of slack. He's got a personal grudge. Yeah, but it's like he was like, no way, no, 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 no. Keep on doing this war. Keep on doing it. And they kept on doing this war for 150 freaking years. Well, but we're talking about the Conqueror's Age right now. But yeah. True. But you're right. But like when they were really, when they were really, really trying to conquer it, and mm-hmm. this is like before, like Darren the first tries it, then to really seriously do it, over a hundred years later, mm-hmm. um, he exacted his revenge on the son of his enemy, who was theoretically innocent, mm-hmm. son of his enemy, but in his defense, Walter Wheel had invaded Aegon's kingdom. Right. So, how innocent was he? 50-50. Yeah. So and what do we think? He's, a, he's good. He's not great, but there's some good in there. Um, I think he was, if not willing to be temperate, at least... At least Aegon was smart enough to know that he was going to he was going too far. So I give I give him a four because he had some rash ideas, but at least I I think I think I'd go about five because he does have rash ideas, but by the point he really has rash ideas, he's not hand of the king. Yes, he's a counselor. That that's should be a, that's just a grudge. It's also a little bit of like, of like he just has the conqueror's mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got the simple, he's got the Baratheon mindset, which is take out your if you've got a problem, take out your sword, sword or warhammer and hack it to pe- hack it up. Yeah, he was a swordsman. He wasn't a warhammer guy. Well, um, yeah. But I'll give. Yeah, I maintain five. It it's just I'm like because because like. I do think going back, we, we did make a mistake when it came to Aegon the Conqueror and Dorne. And like, this is course correcting is like, he's part of that of like, when, when he got captured, that's not really, it's just like the Dornish know their country better than he does. Right. Even so though, it's just like, it, it's just like, this it's like, just... he, he did not sway his friend to kind of, the right course of peace, he was like, no, buddy. No. We finished this. Yeah. So, and he did give up on being Hand of the King. Yeah. For the right reasons, but mostly the right reasons, but still. Oh, yeah. Um. So, I'm going to go, I will go five. I'm still going to maintain four. Okay. Yeah. So we're not too critical. No. Yeah. It would have been worse. Could have yeah. been much worse. Um 
we are going to get worse. Oh, dear. Oh, yes. Like, uh, when we get to Tywin, it's going to be amazing debate. Just amazing, rich topic. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're foaming at the bit, but we're going to get there. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Not, not for a while, though. So, sending over two portraits. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is from The World of Ice and Fire. <clears throat> and this is just a profile. It's not... It's not in profile, but it's just a profile. Let's take a look. Hold on, sorry. All right, sending that one over. The other one is uh, fan art. Okay. It's a pretty gorgeous piece of fan art. Um, Yeah, it is. Looks um, just like Robert. Yeah. Looks very much like Robert. Yep. Oh, yes. I don't know. I'm going to give him a four and a half out of five. Yep. Uh, I I agree. He looks every bit the frickin' ruler. Looks like a handsome, wise counselor. Mm Mm-hmm. Strong warrior. Yep. A worthy worthy hand. A worthy hand to to, conquer. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. 100%. Mm -hmm. So that gives him a total of 56. Not a bad start. Pretty good score. Pretty good score. Yeah. All right. So, with all that in mind, right. what do we think the final verdict on Oris Baratheon? Is he a stag or is he a Bambi? Is he someone who would be remembered or is he ultimately a footnote? You know, I'd be remembered. I think he ultimately he's just on the cusp of just narrowly edging in in, in stag in my in my vote. Yes, I agree. It's like it's close. Like definitely like he's overshadowed by Rhaenys and Visenya and obviously mm-hmm. Aegon. Yes. But he's but, but he's pretty much like the more like comprehensible version of the of all those well, he's figures. Exa- he's exactly what they needed. He's exactly what he needed. And the story of 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 defeating Argalac the Arrogant in single combat and mm-hmm. then winning over Princess Argala. Right. Like that's such a big story that like the singers would obviously remember and celebrate. Right. In the middle and of the conquer main... story. So yeah. Line. And what? He did found the, the Baratheon line. Yeah. So and, and he founded the house. So yeah. Well, it's weird. Like he, the the great thing about Oris is like he both he both founded the line, but he, at the same time he like he didn't really found the house. Like he just right. like continued the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just like was like yeah. No 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 like yeah. House Brandon. It's still yeah, like yeah we're gonna keep everything. Like just like now I'm the, the house now, and we're right, now just change not the name kings. We're just changing the name, and we're no longer kings, and that's it. Right. We're still a house. Not much. Change. So. There yeah. You have it. Okay, there we have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, next week we're gonna talk about another Baratheon hand of the king. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the last Baratheon hands of the kings. Ooh. Rogar Baratheon. 
So what do we think about him and his time as as not just Hand of the King, but Regent for <laughs> Jaehaerys the Conciliator? So, Ooh. so see you then. See you then, everybody.